Welcome to an all-new episode of Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell. I am your sidekick, Dylan Waugh. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Dylan Waugh. Ken is on Twitter at Ken underscore Campbell 27. You can find Ken's writing at kencampbell.substack.com. Highly recommend you check that out and stick around because today we're going to talk about a little bit of news and then we've got an interview with none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Connor Bedard. Ken, how are you doing today? Excellent. Yeah? Most excellent. Most excellent. A most glorious day <laughs> yes. to be interviewing one of the potentially best. What? Oh, uh, I remember when. Of when all time? Con- I, well, I remember when Connor McDavid was before he, in his draft year. Yeah. And I think it was Chuck Fletcher I was talking to about. And he says, you know, you talk about kids before they play in the NHL and it's like, yeah, he's going to be a great player. He's going to be a star. He could be a superstar. I I mean, Connor McDavid, he said that, you know, now people are saying like, this guy's going to be a hall of famer before his career even began. Um, and this, this young man has that feel to Mm. him. Um, and the reason why I say that is because, and we'll, we'll get into it when, when I speak to him, um, every step of the way, the hype surrounding this young man has been off the charts. Yeah. And he's not only equal the hype, he's over-delivered, in my opinion, on the hype. You know, he over-delivered last year with the Regina Pats. He over-delivered at the, at the U18s. He over-delivered at the World Juniors. You know, I mean, he started out as, you know, their, their, their 13th forward. And then game two, he's on their fourth line and he scores four goals. I said before the tournament, I said, I, I said right out, flat out on Twitter, um, this guy's going to be in their top six by the time this tournament's finished. Because we always know that it never ends the way it starts, right? right? Yeah. Never ends the way it starts. Like yeah. lots of times these guys, you know, they end up as the 13th forward uh, and then they end up playing really, really important roles. And I saw that coming for Connor, Connor Bedard. Yeah. Um, because he's got this uncanny ability to be able to just play up to whatever the level is, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't see any evidence that he's not going to do that in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly, you know, junior success is not the only thing that, um, that, that dictates future success, but, uh, you'd, you'd rather see it. And I do yeah. remember on your Substack writing, uh, kencampbell.substack.com, <laughs> yeah. it, uh, you, you were, you, you, you said exactly that you wrote a long article about the, uh, about the world juniors, uh, Canadian roster yeah. and you specifically highlighted Bedard and you said, he is not gonna, he's not gonna stay here. And for me, uh, I, I leave it to smarter minds than myself to figure out, you know, especially yeah. when it comes to scouting and younger players and stuff like that. But, uh, boy, y- you weren't wrong. Uh, yeah, well, I don't hear that very often. Boy, you weren't wrong. Wow. <laughs> do, can you say that again? Well, I had to do it with a double <laughs> negative or else, you know, I just kind of like, I, I, I couldn't make it work with just, right. just by saying you were right. Ugh, okay, this well, feels I'm bad say, in my mouth. I'm going to say something else here. Please. And, and people are going to think I'm crazy, but. If they don't already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I would have Connor Bedard on the 2022 Canadian Olympic team. I don't think that's crazy at all. I, 
I, I'd pick him. I'd pick him. And, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. I'll tell you why. And both of them tie into what I was just talking about. Number one, nothing he's done so far has shown that he can't elevate his game to meet the level of play that he's playing in. I mean, and, and the Olympics is a big step up even without the NHLers. Right. You know, you're talking about guys who are veterans in Europe, yeah. have played in the NHL, have had long, you know, successful careers like, I mean, Eric Stahl, Devin Dubnik, you know, all these guys have had yeah. long careers, you know, Pavel Datsik, guys like that. Um, so it would be a huge step up for him, but there's, he's never, ever yet demonstrated to me or anyone else that he cannot raise the level of his yeah. play to the competition that he's in. That's the first thing. Yeah. The second one is, and I, and the second one I think is just as important in 2026, Connor Bedard will be 20 years old, but he will be in the middle of his third NHL season. Cause he's going to get drafted in 23. So he's got 23, 24, 24, 25, 25, 26. Yeah. He'll be in the middle of his third season. Again, there's nothing to suggest to me that by that point in his, his, in his NHL career, he will not be at the level of playing with the best players in the world, period. Right? right. So how, you know, I mean, if you're Hockey Canada, why would you not want to get him, you know, ease him into that this time around? And then in 2020, you don't have to worry about a, taking a kid who doesn't, who's not experienced and might not be able to handle it because you know he's, you know, he's already been through it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I mean, so like when Steven Stamkos in, in 2010, he was too young, you know, but he was putting together a 50 goal season. Yeah. Um, you know, so, or was it 2014? I can't, I can't remember which one. Um, but you know, no, it was 2010 be because in 2014 yeah. he broke his leg. Yeah. So 2010, Steven Stamkos should have been on the Olympic team. Right. He was in the midst of a 50 goal season that year, but they just deemed that he was too young. Um, you know, they wouldn't have to worry about that with Connor Bedard in 2026. They probably won't have to anyways. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, wouldn't it be great if you could have that guy and and it'd be funny because Connor Bedard would be playing in the Olympics before Connor McDavid, right. which is weird. <laughs> and he'd be able to tell Connor McDavid, well, you know, here's here's I'll show you the ropes. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, like to me, to me, it, it's outlandish. And, and everything that I've been hearing and understand, he's not on the radar. Mm-hmm. He's it's it's not it's not going to happen. But I wonder, you know, if let's say if the WHL has to shut down, right? Which it probably won't. But what if it did? Yeah, you yeah. know, wouldn't you do that? Like take him as the extra forward, let him play his way up into the lineup, or not, or not. Maybe he stays your thirteenth guy or your fourteenth guy, and he just sort of looks and listens and learns and practices with these guys. Yeah. Um, but again, to me, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, if he went to the Olympics, he wouldn't be able to play because nothing he's done to this point has suggested that he wouldn't be able to. Right. So that's my, that's my two cents on that. I think if he went to the Olympics now, what would make it interesting is, uh, seeing him when he's on par with all of the other players at the Olympics. Yeah. Before he's, uh, you know, goes to the Olympics in four years. Yeah. 
and he's way better than everybody else. It'll somebody will be able to say like like I've got a cousin that uh, was a big golfer in Northern Ireland, and my family's from Northern Ireland. Okay, and he played in a tournament with Rory McIlroy. Right, and it was close. Hmm. McIlroy was ten. But it was close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but he'll always be able to hang his hat on the fact that he played in a tournament with Rory McIlroy. So it'll be interesting, you right, know, to right. see these guys. They'll say, "Oh yeah, you know, I uh, yeah, I stripped Connor Bedard and and you know and made him look stupid on the ice. He was 16 at the Olympics, but you know, yeah, 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 yeah just forget exactly. that. Part. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I got when all when I was saying that there were too many teams in the World Junior. Yeah, well, you know, know, all those Austrian kids will be able to say to uh, tell their grandchildren that I played against Connor Bedard once. Yeah. Okay, great. I guess that's why we should allow 10 teams in it, but whatever. But if you don't if you don't grow the the game from grassroots in Austria, for example, then they don't know who you're going to be talking about if you say you scored with, you know. <laughs> yeah, but don't tell me that you're going to you're going to No, I'm gonna, not suggesting yeah, no, that that's the growth from grassroots, but yeah, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. that if you don't yeah. already have that grassroots growth, right. then then you're just you're saying gibberish. Right. Right? I can go to I can go to somebody and say I played on the ice with, you know, so and so X NHLer and if they've never watched hockey, they don't care. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Doesn't matter to them. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So anyways. So let's talk a little bit about the Edmonton Oilers. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Little uh little little trouble in paradise, if you will. Yeah. Um you wrote about uh Dave Tippett and of mm-hmm. course the rumors of uh Dave Tippett's his demise. His imminent demise. Rumors yeah. of his his imminent demise. Are they much exaggerated? I think they are at this point. Yeah. Um I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say first of all that um, I know Ken Holland. I've talked to him many times. You go to the Ken's meeting together. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I think I know a little bit about how he thinks. And um, Ken Holland is not at a point anywhere near a point right now where he would consider making that move. In my yeah. opinion. Um, you know, they lose six more in a row. He may, he may have no choice. You know, he's got an owner too. Yeah. Right. And, and the owner might just come down and say, it's over. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. You know, I'm tired of seeing Tyler Benson play on the fourth line. I want a coach who gives him a chance on the second line. Right. You know, um, so he, let's put it this way. And I wrote this yesterday. Ken Holland is not going to fire. Dave Tippett in season, unless he has absolutely no no option or alternative but to do so. Yeah, he's never fired a coach in season ever. Yeah, and, and he's he, been and in he, the league for about a thousand yeah, years. Yeah, 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 and he rarely fires coaches. Period. Yeah, but he ne- he has never done it in season. Uh, I think the Mike Babcock thing. I think it's convenient. Yeah. Uh, that people, you know, that they have a past together and, and that. Yeah. I, I think people are tempted to look at what Vancouver's done uh, to a lesser degree, what Philadelphia has done under Mike Yo, and yeah. to an even lesser degree, what Chicago's done under Derek King, which I think has been pretty amazing. Um, I think there's that temptation to think that you're going to get that, that bump, you know? Yeah. And I think the reality that we have to deal with here too is... In a season like this, I don't think points mean anything in the standings. I think you got to look at, at points percentage. 
Yeah, you're you right. have to you have to judge the standings by points percentage. And we're going to talk about Colorado later. Colorado is the best team in the Western Conference. Yeah. Oh yeah, big by, time. By points percentage yeah. and and they are the best team in the Western yeah, yeah. Conference. Um in terms of points percentage right now as we speak, the Oilers are playing in a few hours against Toronto. They're out of the playoffs. Points yeah. percentage they're out of the playoffs. Yeah. So that's shocking on account of they were in first place in the Western conference a month ago, yeah. six weeks ago, a month yeah. ago. I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm not talking out my rear end here. Yeah. So they're, they've got the last one at 576 and Winnipeg's Winnipeg's behind them at 578. So yeah. So like technically the Edmonton Oilers, as we sit here right now are not a playoff team. The trouble with when you as a fan base think uh, let's, you know, emulate what uh, what Vancouver did as the prime example, fire the coach and then be the best team in the universe, is that there's only one Bruce Boudreaux in the league. And Bruce Boudreaux has that history of success yeah, yeah. in terms of doing that. Yeah. And so... It's just like when uh, in the Stanley Cup finals last year, Montreal playing uh, Tampa Bay and two $10 million goalies battling each other. And the announcer said something to the effect of, well, uh, you, it, it shows that you, you might need a $10 million goalie to win. The trouble is that doesn't mean just go and sign a goalie for $10 million. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about Price and Vasilevsky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? If you have Vasilevsky, yes, sign him to ten, to a $10 million long-term deal. Right, exactly. Corey Price, maybe not. Well, he, <laughs> he's a playoff performer, but yes, he has underperformed that deal more than he has overperformed it. Yeah, even though he took him to the final last year, I would, I would agree wholeheartedly with that statement. But the bottom line is that when he signed that deal, he was the best goalie in the NHL. It wasn't mm-hmm. close. And when Vasilevsky signed his deal, he was the best goalie in the NHL. It wasn't close. And it's not close, yeah. And, uh, you know, so can you take Bobrovsky, who's a top three or top four, sign them to $10 million and expect them to be your $10 million goal? He's playing exceptionally well this year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you can't just sign anybody, right? Ask Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it turns out if you trade for Matt Murray and sign him to a long-term deal, he doesn't get any better, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. So what moves do you think that uh, Ken Holland will do, if any, to potentially try to right the ship here? Well, I think he's got he's to increase his depth at center. Like right now, their top two centers are Connor McDavid and, and, and Derek Ryan. And yeah. they're both out, as far as I know, they're both out tonight. Yeah. So that's a big blow at center. Yeah. Uh, they they need some they need some centermen. They you know I mean, he swung and missed big time on Kyle Turris this summer. Yeah. Big, big swing and a miss there. Um, it wasn't a lot of risk though, but it no, was. But yeah, um, he he thought he had Jacob Markstrom. He thought he had him. I yeah, yeah I he, tend to agree with that. It, it, no, it's true. He did. Oh, okay. He did. He thought he had Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. And then at the last minute, he took, Markstrom took the Calgary deal. Yeah. He was in on Kemper. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how close they got, but they were close enough. Um, you know, Koskinen, 
now we're looking at a, a situation where there's a, there's got to be some repairs being done to that relationship. <laughs> yeah. And the problem, the problem for, for, for the Edmonton Oilers is they can't, they literally, and I mean this literally, because a lot of times people say literally and they actually mean figuratively. <laughs> but in this case, I'm saying literally, they literally cannot count on Mike Smith to be healthy from game to game. Right. Like he's playing tonight. Yeah. By all accounts. Yeah. But who knows tomorrow? How, what, is he going to wake up and have a broken body? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, they, they, so they, they've got to shore up their goaltending. Yeah. And so what do you do? Do you go out and get Marc-Andre Fleury and take on that, take on that cap hit for the rest of the year? Yeah. And lose him for nothing at the end and have to give up assets to get him? Yeah. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. I think what's underappreciated for goaltenders, especially goalies that are playing injured, like uh, like Mike Smith appears to be, yeah. is that goaltending is a max output position. Whereas playing, you want your max output to last for about, say, 20 seconds yeah. for a shift, right? Or maybe five seconds of uh, a larger max output. But the point is, is that it's spread out over, you know, between five and 20 seconds, let's say, right? As a goaltender, your max output is one half of a second, mm -hmm. one quarter of a second. So if something's off, there's no way to make that thing be off and kind of make it spread over the 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you yeah. lose 1% over 20 seconds. You lose like 30% over that half a second that you had to be there. And so, yeah, I don't see how Mike Smith... Uh, picks up this season and it's not even a slight against Mike Smith. And I wonder, see, but I just wonder if you don't just go, okay, Stuart Skinner. Yeah. Here's the ball. Take it. Yeah. And, and you know what? It may be disastrous, but it might not. But why not do it, it now bef not. before the trade yeah, deadline? Yeah, and, yeah. Then and then you've you got, see what you've got. Yeah, you see what exactly. you've got. Yeah. Um, you know, Koskinen at 2 million playing 25 games a year would be perfect. Koskinen at foreign change and playing all the games yeah. is suboptimal. <laughs> suboptimal. Yes, yes. An act of detriment, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to the Colorado Avalanche. Is that not the most exciting hockey team to watch in the NHL right now? Like you mentioned it for Kale McCarr on our first episode. And I mean, the game the other night was just... Kale McCarr again in, in overtime and Alex Newhook uh, midway through the game putting an absolute beauty just walking in on everybody yep. and scoring a beautiful goal. Yeah, you you there must there must viewing. The only problem is is you never get to see them because they never play. You know, <laughs> I mean, they, it's like are they playing tonight or do they have fifteen guys in proto in COVID protocol or you know what's going on? But. Um, yeah, they're must viewing. I, I, I like watching Winnipeg a lot. And I think part of it is because Dennis Bayak is their play by play guy. And I think he's brilliant. Yeah. I think he's brilliant. Um, but Colorado is must viewing right now. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't, you know, I don't know, you know, you, you watch and you go, well, yeah, but they, they had to get to overtime to beat to beat the Chicago Blackhawks 5-4. Not ideal. Right? Was it 5-4 or 4-3? I believe it was 5-4. Yeah, that's not, that's not, that's again, suboptimal. <laughs> Let's see. 
I'm just going to check. Are we going to call the name of the podcast Suboptimal? No, we can't do that because no, we're about to interview that, Connor Bedard. Well, and also it might send the wrong message. Yes, fair yeah, that, enough. That we indeed are suboptimal, <laughs> which we may very well be. Yes. Uh, but I don't want to tell people that. Uh, no, it was 4 3. We'll let four, them, three. We'll, we don't want to uh, deprive them yeah. of that uh, period of discovery, <laughs> that, that wonderful uh, route of discovery yeah, to discovering yeah, that yeah. we're suboptimal. Yeah, yeah. We want them to come let to them that. Yeah, let it them figure it out themselves. <laughs> after 30 or 40 episodes <laughs> yeah. or so. Yeah. These guys once, are pretty suboptimal. <laughs> once, let's get a sponsor first. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was 4 3, actually. But it's, yeah, I mean. Can they sustain this? Well, when you're outscoring everybody, this the 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 you know the object of the game is to still to score more goals than the other team. Um, no, it's Corsi. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, but their power play is excellent. Their penalty killing is not great. Their goaltending is okay. Um, and their defensive play as a group has a bit to be desired. True. Um, so yeah, like I look at what, so what does Colorado need? I mean, man, you look at those four lines and I mean, what do you got? You got down the middle, you got McKinnon, Kadri, Jost and, and uh new hook. Kadri was scoring at a pace. Yeah. Greater. Yeah. In terms of goals per 60 minutes of his play than Connor McDavid this year. Keep riding that horse as long as you can this That's year. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. Who saw that coming? Well, but he'd look good in Toronto. Yeah, he looked good in Toronto. And yeah, <laughs> he did. But but Nazem Kadri has to stay in the game. <laughs> yeah, true. He he's got to be able to be there to make that contribution in the playoffs. Um, you know, I to me, I don't see much in the way of cracks down their lineup at all. Yeah. Um, you know, Darren Helm is their fourth line right winger. He was in, he won a Stanley Cup with Detroit 2008, went to the final 2009, but he's Darren Helm and he's your fourth line right winger. Yeah. Um, they don't have a lot of guys. Devin Taves has been to a conference final. Yeah. Um, they don't have a lot of guys who can really tell you what it's like, you know, and, and that, that really have been there. So, you know, I'm thinking maybe a veteran on the blue line or up front. And you, I think you want to bolster your goaltending. I don't know. Have to bolster your goaltending. And I don't know if you go if you have to go out and get Marc-Andre Fleury, but maybe you get Craig Anderson. Completely disagree. You, but you gotta get you gotta get the best goaltender. I, I think that it's going back to what I was saying with the Stanley Cup finals. Like the teams that have won Stanley Cups have done it, and with the one exception of Jordan Binnington, who's this weird folk hero, but oh, it's and, not and he was and he was lights and he was lights out. Ah, this statistically he was he was uh, below league average. Yeah, in, yeah. in terms of his Stanley Cup. Well, run. I would argue too. Um, Antti Niemi won a Stanley Cup in two thousand and ten. Yeah. Okay. So exception that proves the rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you look at the if, if you look at the goalies that that won, I mean. It's so underappreciated how important Vasilevsky was to the Tampa Bay Lightning. The only person that seems to appreciate it is Kucherov. 
Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. number one bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but my, my point is, I, I think that if you are serious about a Stanley Cup, like, why screw around? Like, why screw around at this point? Why why get second best? Uh, find a way to get somebody, anybody. Okay, somebody, anybody. Like, somebody, anybody. Nobody's making trades. There have been very few there have been very hockey few trades, trades in yes. the NHL this yeah. year. What do we got? We got Jack Eichel, of course. That was a yeah. big one. Yeah. Uh, Dylan be a good Gambrel, uh Curtis Gabriel got traded. Yeah. Uh, you know, there have been a few player for player trades this year, but nobody's making trades. Like, what are you going to do? Like, okay, so do you go out and give up what it take, whatever it's going to take to get Marc Andre Fleury at the trade deadline? Is yeah. that what you do? I would. Okay. I would. Like, like what is it going to take? It's going to be obviously some salary out. Yep. And it's starting with a first. So you got salary out in a first. Well, or you don't take, you don't, you don't take on all the salary and then you give them more in terms of assets, right? Right. So I'm looking at Colorado and what their situation is with draft picks. Because they've always they they only had four draft picks last year. See, they already don't have a first and second. They got one pick in the first four rounds. <laughs> so they got one pick. Maybe in the they first don't have what rounds. it takes. Yeah, maybe they don't have what okay, it takes. Okay, so so but what do they have? What do they have in terms of you know? Do they have a good young guy? Like do you, you Look, know? I mean, are you going to trade? Bowen Byram? Are you going to you know? What are you going to do? Are Look, you going to trade um, New Hook? Are you going to are you going to go that route? A goalie is the positional equivalent, and I'm and I'm and I'm outing myself here of a jock strap. Okay, it, it you know it's this insignificant, tiny little piece of equipment, but boy, nothing can take you out of the game mm. as fast as that's not having had a good jock strap on. It'll be interesting to see what as the trade deadline approaches, what the market will be, assuming Mark Andre Fleury agrees to move. It'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to if see. If it was to Colorado, like... Well, no, but you don't... It's going to be dependent on supply and demand. This is going to be a supply and demand thing. You know, yeah, yeah. if only one or two teams wants Marc-Andre Fleury, the demand goes down. I would go for Jake Allen, too, if I was Colorado. But then what does Montreal do? <laughs> Continue to tank for Shane Wright? <laughs> yeah. What else do they yeah, do? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Anything more to say on the Avalanche? They're really, really good. They're a lot of fun. Okay. So final question on the Avalanche. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to channel my inner Tortorella. Do you think that their style of play, as you mentioned about them and their ridiculous scores, do you think that's sustainable in the playoffs? It hasn't been. Yeah. It hasn't been the last couple of years. True. Um, Probably not, probably not, but I think they've got the personnel that can adapt to the playoffs. You know, I think yeah. that, I think they've been through it a couple of times. Yeah. They've kind of, they've like, see, I'm a big one for like every team that ends up being great gets that just kick to the pills with a steel-toed boot. Yeah. You know, they yeah. always do. Yeah. It happened to Tampa. It, it hap- it's happened, it happened to, to the Everett. 1980 Oilers. It happened to the 1980 Oilers. Or seven, well, 79 no. or 80? No, it happened. Well, it was the 84 Oilers. Okay, right. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
And Either it, way, it, it happened to the Gretzky era. Well, it also Oilers. happened. It also happened to the dynasty before that with the Islanders. They right. lost to the Leafs. Yeah, you know, I mean, it for whatever reason, it happened to Tampa. They lost to Columbus. For whatever reason, you in order to be that team that realizes what you have to do, you got to get that. You got to have that gut punch. Yeah. And I I think they've been gut punched enough times now that maybe they can figure it out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I think they're I think it's sustainable. Awesome. Well, yeah. let's uh, let's get set up for this interview. All right, Connor Bedard coming up. Coming up. All right, everyone. As promised, here with Connor Bedard on uh, Wednesday, January fifth, and a uh, bit of a bittersweet day, I assume for uh, for you and for probably a lot of hockey fans as well. Uh, you weren't supposed to be sitting in uh, in your apartment in uh, Regina today. You were supposed to be in Edmonton preparing for what you hoped was a gold medal game and. I can't imagine the disappointment that you felt. Um, can you really sort of take me through um, how disappointing it was and how you've been able to kind of put it all into perspective since then? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's tough for, you know, a whole group. And, you know, when we get to the tournament, January 5th is, is kind of what we circle on our calendar. And, you know, obviously Hockey Canada, the goal is always to win a gold medal. So, uh, it's definitely, you know, kind of <clears throat> hard today waking up and, you know, imagining, you know, getting ready for, for that game. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, trying not to focus on it, but it was, it was definitely pretty pretty hard for a group not to have that chance. Well, and, and you know, the IHF and Hockey Canada has made every, has given every indication that they uh, they want to, to get this thing done. I, I don't know if it's going to be possible, uh, but I think they're going to give it their best shot. Um, you know, the last time you played a tournament in the late spring worked out pretty well for you. Uh, I, I assume that you're, you're, you know, looking towards June and, and thinking that you might be able to get back and, and finish this thing off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think our, our whole team would, would obviously want the chance, you know, like I said, kind of compete for that gold medal. And, you know, I think for, for a lot of you guys, it's, it's kind of the one opportunity and, you know, for that kind of to be taken away is, is pretty difficult. And, uh, you know, I think so if, if they're able to get it going in June, that would, that would be pretty cool. Obviously just, you know, where the Maple Leaf again, it's, it's always, you know, a pretty special feeling. So, uh, if they're, if they're going to be able to get it going, that'd be awesome. Right. Uh, you know, everything's so uncertain right now, Connor, as you know, I mean, you're sitting in quarantine because the, uh, the Pats are, are having to take a few days off here and hopefully you'll be able to play. I think it's Friday night. You're playing in uh, Saskatoon, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So hopefully you'll be able to get that game in, but, um, I mean, you're sitting there doing nothing right now. Uh, this, I can't imagine that this break could have come at a worse time for you. Uh, you know, having scored four goals on the weekend with the Pats and then coming off the world juniors. Um, how do you keep your mind focused and how do you sort of stay engaged, you know, so that when you do start playing again, you'll be able to be the best you can be. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you kind of just got to do as much as you can in your, in your house, kind of just, you know, mini workouts or or stuff we kind of do get some stuff, you know, from our trainer as a team, but uh, you kind of just got to, you know, try to stay active and, and try to move around as much as you can. But, you know, obviously it's, it's more difficult in the, in a quarantine, but, you know, I think our whole team is just kind of trying to be as active as possible. Right. Now, now you're living in a, in a place in Regina and, and I know that the Pats suggested that, you know, your mom come and live with you this year uh, to help you with the transition of, you know, living on your own and that sort of thing. I'm wondering how that's working out, Connor, because on the one hand, it's like, 
yeah, all right, that's great. My mom's around. On the other hand, it's like, uh, my mom's always around, <laughs> you know? Um, I know you have a great relationship with your parents, with your mom. Uh, how has that worked out for you? Has it been a good a good way to, for you to transition? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would have been happy, you know, either way, Bill, or uh, obviously my mom coming, but, you know, it's it's a sense of normalcy, obviously, and in this year that's, uh, you know, pretty crazy for, yeah. for everyone. So uh, it's been good, I think, just kind of, you know, like I said, having that, you know, feeling of, of a normal year and, and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's definitely been, been kind of good to have her around. Yeah. And I mean, your mom, Melanie, I mean, I've talked to her in the past and she's not a, a real sort of alpha hockey person. She's more concerned with, you know, the nutrition side of things for you and, and making sure that you're getting enough sleep and doing all the things that make you the best. But, but, you know, I mean, it's not like she's telling you, uh, you know, that, y- you know, your, your zone entries have need to be improved. Right. So it, it is good to have that support and, and not to have sort of that overbearing support, I guess too. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, it's kind of, she doesn't really talk to me about, <laughs> about hockey too much. Uh, yeah. You know, she's kind of just, you know, there and, and she obviously wants me to do well and that sort of thing. But uh, like you said, with, with the nutrition and that sort of thing, she, <clears throat> she's helped me a lot with, with off ice stuff. And then, you know, just kind of, you know, the relationship, you know, you have with your mom, it's, you're obviously very close and, and uh, it's just, you know, good to have that, that uh, comfort around. That's great. That's great. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, uh, first of all, about um, th- going back to the World Juniors. It was funny because we were joking with you before. You're, you're, uh, <laughs> when you logged into this Zoom call, you lo- logged in as Mason McTavish, and uh, you'd said that he he needed your your laptop for something, and uh, and you couldn't figure out how to how to how to fit how to turn it go make it go back the other way, which you did figure out to your credit. Um, Tell me a little bit about the relationship between the two of you, because here's a guy who's 18. He looks like he's 25 and, you know, being pals with a guy who's 16 and looks like he's 14. <laughs> how does that, how does that, the dynamics of that relationship work and how do you, how, why are you guys, uh, you know, how, what have, how have you developed such a close relationship? Uh, yeah, I mean, our first kind of time being together was obviously U18s and, we were quarantined for four days together uh, in a room, I think. So, you know, you kind of just get, get closer there. And then, uh, you know, obviously we were there for three weeks. So uh, we just got really close. And then, uh, you know, obviously we were, we were together again in, uh, in World Juniors. So just kind of always being together when, when uh, you know, we've only really actually been together two times, but yeah, we've yeah. always been with each other. So, uh, you know, you just kind of grow that relationship. And like he said, I I did not believe he was 18. First time I saw him, I was 17, I guess. He looks like a 40-year-old man. So uh, it's, it's cool to kind of grow that relationship and, you know, obviously seeing what he's been able to do in, in his career, obviously playing in the NHL and stuff. So uh, it's definitely a fun, he's definitely a very fun guy to be around. Well, and I know on ice, you know, on ice stuff, hockey stuff, obviously he would probably be in a position to be able to mentor you but like is he the the adult in the relationship with the two of you as well like is he the one that's always nagging you to clean up and 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 that sort of thing or or you know i mean i'm just wondering how you guys uh exist off the ice i don't know if it's a doll i'd say it's probably messier than i am but uh <laughs> okay. i think we kind of just have fun maybe you know i think there was a tweet about uh, Wright saying that it was kind of big brother, little brother. And, you know, that, that could be it. You know, I kind of bug him and then he'll he'll beat me off or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> obviously. So uh, we just we just are able to have a lot of fun together and we and we clicked right away. So 
uh, he's definitely, you know, obviously I'm, I'm pretty close. So it's a lot of fun to be around. Him. Yeah. I did see somebody put out the stepbrothers meme too, with, uh, with you and, and him in that, in that, did you, I, I'm, I'm sure you would have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. I was his, I was his junior team and, uh, and Peter really kind of threw that out there. So that was pretty funny. That's pretty good. So, I mean, there's talk that this guy's going to be part of Canada's Olympic team. Um, I'm wondering, you know, if you think that, uh, that that is a good move for him. I mean, I, 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 I suspect that, you know, this guy's a pro, right? He's a pro. He's played pro. He acts like a pro. He carries himself like a pro. He looks like a pro. So, you know what I mean? Like he, he's, he's a guy that I think would transition to an, in, you know, despite the fact that he's so young, would transition into something like that, like the Olympic team and really be able to play, uh, you know, a good role for them. I'm wondering what you think. Yeah, I'm sure he'd do great. I mean, He's, uh, you know, he's, he's 18, but you know, like I said before, he looks like a, you know, 15 year veteran and, yeah. you know, he's, he's probably one of the strongest guys I've ever been around. So <clears throat> I think if you, you know, once you play in the NHL, uh, and for him, he, he did really well in the NHL, you know, you watch him and he's not just out there, he's making plays and he's, he's being dangerous. So I think, uh, then you kind of, you always feel confident and, uh, you know, going anywhere and, and playing. So I'm sure if, if he does make the team, which, you know, I've, I've saw some stuff about him being on that team. It would definitely, yeah. I think he'd help them. And, and, you know, for him, that'd be, that'd be a pretty special moment. Dylan and I were talking uh, before in the podcast also about, it wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't be that outrageous for them to want to have you on that team. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I, 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 I doubt it will. I wish it would, but have you ever thought of maybe, you know, it might be nice to, to be on their radar a little bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, like you said, I don't think that's going to happen. There's, you know, but I mean, you know, obviously one day you, you dream of as a kid playing in the Olympics and, and all that. So that would obviously be pretty special, but you know, I can't really see that happening yet, but you know, yeah. hopefully one day, one day in my career, I can, I can, uh, you know, compete for Canada in the Olympics. Well, you know, and I was talking to Dylan about this in 2026, you'll be 20 years old. You'll be in the middle of your third season in the NHL. And, and basically what I was saying was there's really, a, there's nothing that you've done in your career that would suggest that you would not be ready to play at that level that early in your career. Do you look at 2026 and say, that's a goal for me. That's a goal for me to be on that team. I mean, obviously now that you kind of say it, you know, that's obviously, you know, you, you can't really think of it yet. Uh, obviously being four years away. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, like I said before, it's kind of just, you know, being able to have the chance, even just world juniors. And, and, you know, like I said, growing up watching or playing U18s, it's just, yeah. you know, I was competing for your country is, is special. And, and the Olympics is, you know, obviously the biggest stage. So, uh, that'd be pretty surreal and, and a very cool moment for me. Yeah. Um, Connor, I want to talk a little bit about this season with the Regina Pats. Um, it's been a bit of an up and down season. I think you would, you would acknowledge, uh, both for your team and, and for you personally, um, you know, and, and everybody was like, okay, what's going on with Connor McDavid? He's not leading the league in scoring. Um, you know, or Connor Bedard, sorry. Yeah. Well, Dylan just, yeah, well, that's a, that's a mistake. A lot of people are going to make, trust me. Um, what's wrong with Connor Bedard? He's not leading the league in scoring, but you know, I looked, you were leading the league in shots. You know, I talked to your dad and, and to some scouts who said, you know, there were games where you had no points where they were your best games of the year. Um, and, you know, like for a guy who's a veteran in the NHL and has played a lot of years and has a lot of experience, you know, being successful. 
I'm sure a guy like that could say, yeah, I'm getting my chances and things are going to work out. But a 16-year-old kid, it's a little different. How did you handle that sort of lack of sort of tangible success uh, and sort of keep playing through it, even though you even though you probably knew you were playing pretty good hockey all the way through? Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, obviously going into the year, I didn't, I didn't expect that start points-wise. I thought, I honestly thought I was, I felt better than the year before. I felt like I was, you know, controlling the game better than, than I was the year before, but you know, the year before everything was kind of going in and, yeah. uh, you know, I was getting you know a lot of points. So uh, it's definitely frustrating in the moment. And I think, you know, in, in the long run, it could be a good thing, you know, kind of learning how to deal with adversity because, you know, if I do play in the NHL one day, I'm not going to be able to, you know, have two points per game as a rookie or, or something <laughs> like that. So uh, it's just kind of, you know, I think learning and, and, you know, kind of just sticking with it. I, I thought I was playing well. And uh, lately the puck's been, been seem, seemed to be going in a little more. So hopefully I can kind of, you know, get hot. Yeah. I mean, before you left, I think you had two two hat tricks before you left. Is that right? Or, or two three-point games before you left for the uh, World Juniors. Games, yeah. yeah, two three-point games. And you were picking it up because I could see sort of the game by game. And then you have the four against Austria and the four in the first game back, including the overtime winner. And I'm wondering, you know, I mean, I got to think that the whole World Junior experience, when you got back to playing in the Western League, it's like, yeah, I feel super confident right now. Yeah, I think, you know, like before, you know, you kind of maybe – second guess and making making a move or, or something like that maybe you don't you don't want to shoot shoot the puck when you have a chance because you're scared it might not go in so uh obviously to get a few few big games before i left uh for camp for world juniors was good for me and then uh you know obviously having a big game against Oshu was was nice and i think your confidence kind of just picks up whether you whether you know it or not and you're you're making ma- making more plays and you're, and you're trying more things so i think just kind of getting back to my game and, and playing my game is going to be good yeah. And, uh, I'm just wondering, like, you know, I mean, it's a long road here and we don't, there's so many uncertains, but you know, do you, do you, what do you expect from the rest of this year, both personally and from a team standpoint, because you guys have some ground to make up. And, uh, and I mean, I, I think you, you, you I, I would, I would say you're, you're probably, you know, capable of doing some pretty special things between now and the end of the season. Where do you see everything going? Uh, I think th- I think the whole goal is is to get back in the playoffs for us. Uh, I think we're kind of just getting healthy. We haven't really had a had a full full roster yet this year, and you know to kind of have that back is going to be good. And you know for me, obviously, just hopefully can continue playing well and and kind of finish the year off strong. But uh, the whole goal for us is to get in the playoffs. And I think you know once you're in the playoff the playoffs, you've seen you know so many so many upsets and that sort of thing. So anything can happen, but. You know, if we can get back there, that that would be kind of the goal from from the start of the year as well. And and I think I think they're one in the same though. Like if Connor if Connor McDavid Connor Bedard is scoring three points a game, the chances that the uh, Regina Pats will be in the playoffs is a lot better. So I, I got to think from a personal standpoint, you're like, yeah, I want to keep this, I want to keep this going. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think at the start of the year we kind of had like a seven game losing streak, and I have you know maybe one or two goals, and that's that uh. That's fancy. I yeah. kind of put that on myself a lot of the time, you know, uh, being my job is, is, you know, to create and, and to get points and that sort of thing. So uh, obviously I want to help the team win in, in any way. And, uh, you know, obviously if, if that's getting points and that's what I'm going to try to do, obviously, you know, it's, it's easier <laughs> said than done, but 
But, uh, you know, hopefully I can kind of, kind of do that. Well, it is, it is easier said than done. And still the, the most difficult thing in hockey is to score. And you do that with a lot of regularity. So it's nice to watch. Just one last one here. I'm, I'm just wondering, have you heard from Wayne Gretzky at all after the four point, uh, or sorry, the four goal game in the world juniors? Like, did he reach out to you? Did you talk to him? Did, did you text or anything like that? Uh, no, I, I haven't heard, heard from him, uh, Obviously, I, I think you know about you know him, him giving me a call after right after exceptional status, but uh, no, I haven't heard from him uh, uh, since since the World Juniors. Well, I'm sure that there'll be some times where you'll do some things that will uh, prompt a call from Mr. Gretzky. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Connor. Um, thank you for coming on our little podcast here. It's our third. It's our third podcast, and you're our first guest. So, um, I, I thank you for that. Uh, I, I I certainly uh, know that. You've got a lot of uh, commitments and, and a lot of people want a piece of you. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to make time for us. And, and that, that's, I, I really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. All right, Connor. Well, uh, all, the, all the best of luck the rest of the way and uh, keep it going. Yeah. Thank you. So that interview was, I'd say, uh, a ton of fun. Ken, what, uh, what stood out at you in that interview? Well, I, you know, I mean, I've been talking to this kid since he was 13 and he's the same as he he's the same now as he was when he was 13. He he reminds me of Swedish hockey players. Oh, I see that. Like he reminds me of a guy from Sweden. Yeah. Totally not impressed with himself. Like, Very matter of fact. Not the least bit impressed with himself. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't think he's any better than anybody else. Doesn't think he deserves anything. Yeah. Um and just like it's yeah okay well you know whatever I'll try my best and if I'm in the like did you hear him say yeah. if I if I play in the NHL yeah yeah okay I'm not breaking any news here <laughs> this kid's gonna play in the NHL not letting any huge cats out well, of the bag it's so funny it's so funny because when he I was at a Leafs skate the day they named the selection camp roster yeah yeah and he was on it obviously and one of the one of the reporters there was like oh yeah well they'll take him to camp and they'll say okay connor you know you're just here to sort of see and learn and you're not going to be on the team but you know you're just going to absorb all of this selection camp and i'm like no chance yeah i i when i saw his name on that list i said he's on the team he's going to be on the team yeah because i knew yeah and 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 i've talked about this and, and i hate to keep breaking beating this dead horse but this kid has an uncanny ability to be able to look at the situation and to be able to figure out what he needs to do to be the best and then go out and do it yeah like he just he gave canada no choice he gave dave cameron no choice but to take him on that team yeah and and like Dave Cameron would have looked like the village idiot if he had cut him on that team. Yeah. You know? Um, And and so then he starts as the extra forward. Then he he goes to the fourth line. You know? I mean, he makes it impossible for you not to move him up the lineup. Yeah. And that's that's part of my whole thing with the Olympics. I think... I think he should be there. I really do. And and I, and I'm not saying that because I want it to be a hot take or, uh, or whatever. I think he, I really think they should take him. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I had this, uh, discussion, we'll call it, it was an argument, uh, with a, with a junior coach here in the city who 
you know, it was kind of this classic, uh, you know, the old ways, the good ways kind of thing. And and uh, I think that, you know, the players today couldn't play like, you know, the players before if they if they had the same technology and work at, and uh, exercise science that they have today. Yeah. And and my my argument to that was the the players, the the elite players today are such freaks in the sense that they not only have the innate ability but they also have the work ethic and they also have the brains and they also have the, the, the NHL. There are not very many true plugs in the NHL today. Did you see the move Ryan Reeves did stripping? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, was it McDavid? Yeah. yeah. Of the yeah. puck the other day. Yeah. He made, he made Connor McDavid look pretty ordinary on that. I play, watched yeah. it three times and I thought if that was a penalty, it would have been a chintzy penalty. Yeah. Well, the worst player in the NHL is amazing. Yeah. The absolute, like, and the worst player in the American League is really good, too. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think, I don't think people realize how good you have to be. Oh, big time. Like, I, I don't think people realize it. Big because, time. Because you see it when you play beer league with a guy who used to play in the NHL. Yeah. I used to play pickup hockey when I was working at the Hockey News with a guy by the name of Paul Marshall. Okay, and he was a he was a defenseman. He played. He actually played in Pittsburgh for a while. Yeah, uh, had a bit of a career, and and then he'd come out and play with us. I don't even remember how he ended up with our group of guys, but he'd come out and play with us, right? Yeah. And you'd go, wow, this is I don't know, I don't see anything special here. But then once or twice. <laughs> He'd again, say, hey, again, you know what I can he'd do? Go, he'd go, he'd do something, and he'd go, yep, yep, okay, there it is, there yeah, it is, right yeah. there, yeah. And you knew, then you go, he's not trying. <laughs> he's not trying. He's yeah. he's playing with a bunch of plugs. Yeah. A bunch of bums. Yeah. And he's just out here screwing around with us. Yeah. And then when he decides he wants to do something, like spin off somebody or something, he does it. And yeah. then you go, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yep. yep. I did a skate with a guy who made it to the NHL, but he was an NHL, AHL, kind of an in-betweener. Yeah. Right? He had the skills. He just wasn't, he wasn't good defensively, and so he could never really stick on a team. He wasn't skilled enough to be a top-line guy. One of those yeah. real tweeners, right? Anyways, it was his his junior team. His, uh, his major junior team right. was there. And so it's all the guys that are about three years removed from playing major junior and him who's playing. You should probably tell people that you're like a goalie, right? I like am a goalie. You're, you're like a rent-a-goalie, yeah. like yeah. from the show, <laughs> rent-a-goalie. You're like one of those guys. So let's make yes sure people no. know that. I'm on the okay. list for rent-a-goalies, but only if I see a skate that looks interesting do I actually take it. Okay. Right? Anyways, um, so this guy shows up and at the end of it, for a lark, they said him against you know everybody's kind of filtering out right because yeah. we we're just yeah. allowed to stay on the ice forever it was him against five guys and nobody could get the puck off of him <laughs> and we're talking about major junior players that are like three years removed yeah yeah these are not schlubs right these are excellent hockey players yeah but there's so much of a step that this guy who was not even a full-time nhler was so fast and so good and so strong that nobody could strip the puck off. Of it. Right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Try as they might. Yeah. 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 But my point going back is just with the 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 confluence of things that needs to happen in order for somebody to be the best. 
at this time, both with the work ethic, the nutrition you talked about, all the rest of it. Bedard's got it. Well, yeah, but but I think you're 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 leaving out one very very important component. Innate. No, well, innate. Innate is one, no yeah. question about it. I'm not a ten thousand hours guy. I think ten the ten thousand hour rule is bullshit. I'm not a Malcolm Gladwell guy at all. I, I'm I am in some ways, but I but in yeah. terms of the ten thousand hours, I think it's complete crap. Yeah, because you can't do it first of all in hockey. Yeah. Um. Because you'd have to be on the ice doing it two hours a day every be day broken. between the time you're eight till you're seventeen. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm not a ten thousand hours guy. I really do think that there is an innate talent, like like natural talent, has to be has to count for something. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and Malcolm Gladwell used like the Beatles. You know, when they were in Germany, they played for eighteen hours a day, and they got better and everything. Well, yeah, but there were lots of other bands doing that too, and they never ended up being the Beatles. The Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So there, it's innate. And the second thing is is the desire, the, the the desire, the determination, the willingness to sacrifice. I mean, this is a kid who I've been told, you know, would go to a tournament. Uh, you know, he's from Vancouver. One time they went to a tournament in Toronto, flies in, plays a tournament, flies home, gets off the plane, goes straight to the rink, you know, yeah. and starts working on things. Like, you know, I mean, when a lot of other kids are like, hey, let's just play Xbox or whatever, yeah. you know, the, the great ones like the Sidney Crosbys, you know, when they, you know, when there's a snow day at school, they're not at home. They're yeah. down at the local rink playing shinny all day, Yeah, you know, and, and so he's got that. Mm-hmm. And and he's got that to go with every other gift and every other advantage he's got. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are advantages too. I mean, I mean, Connor McDavid's father, it, Connor Bedard's father is, uh, owns his own uh, company. And until recently he would, he would go up into the BC interior and fell these mad, mad, these enormous trees. Right. You know, like, so he has his own company. He does that. He probably does pretty well. Uh, his mother hosts international students at their house. So, you know, fairly middle class, not, yeah. not, not hurting by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, not a real rich family. Yeah. But there are sacrifices that they probably would have had to make financially to yeah. allow him to be able to play with the players that he did in the situations that he did at North Van Academy, you know, which is, uh, you know, I'm sure that there would have been, uh, you know, North Van Academy would have been like, yes, uh, we want you, Connor, Connor Bedard. So we are willing to, you know, maybe shave some money off the, the costs. Yeah, but, the $40,000 a year cost yeah, is now I, I think it's. I think it was like 15. But yeah, yeah. anyways, but, but you know, and, and but he's had a lot of opportunity and, and, he's, and he's taken advantage of them. Yeah. You know, I was, out, I was out at the Leaf practice yesterday and afterwards I was kind of just walking around to the rinks because everything shut down in Toronto today. All the kids, they can't play. And I saw one, two dad, two dads out there with five kids. Yeah. And they were, they were all girls and they could all really skate. Yeah. Um, but I thought, you know what, what an advantage that is. Yeah. You know, these two dads, I, you know, maybe it was just, maybe they, it was a team practice and nobody showed up. Or maybe it was two dads who said, we want to get some extra ice time for our kids. So we're going to rent an hour at the MasterCard Center in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of money. 
That's yeah. a lot of money. And that's a huge advantage. Charge that, it. That a lot of the, yeah, yeah. That's a, I wonder if they take hammocks there. <laughs> um, there that's a huge advantage that a yeah. lot of these kids have over, yeah, over, over other kids. And, yeah. and, and uh, so, you know, I mean, but he's, it's not that. It's because he wants it. He's willing to work for it. And he has a, as an innate ability to yeah. be able to do it. And yeah. I mean, he had a backyard rink. He had a, he had a, like a roller rink in his backyard. I think his dad built like a, uh, one of those synthetic roller rinks back yeah, there. Yeah. So, I mean, he shoots like a man. Yeah. He shoots, oh, like, he sh he shoots like an NHL yeah, player. Big time. So, and he was shooting like that when he was 14. Yeah. So he's shot thousands and thousands and thousands of pucks. Yeah. Right. So yeah. yeah, it's the perfect storm. It's a perfect confluence of, yeah. uh, yeah. of the, the right kid the right atmosphere around him and just his, his incredible work ethic and, and innate abilities. And what you like about it is he's a great kid. He's yeah. Not, that was, that screamed for those that didn't see it. Well, nobody saw it because I'm not going to release that footage. We had a mm. bunch of technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah. And he just sat the there and went, yeah, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. He sat there and got ribbed for having Mason McTavish <laughs> yeah. on, on his, uh, on his thing, on his, uh, zoom call. He sat there and got ribbed for that. Despite the fact that, that we were able to sort out ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, can I mention that? And he says, yeah, I don't care. You yeah. Know? I, I, it's great. like, he's a great kid. He's got, he's obviously been raised very, very well and been surrounded by good people. And I, I really like, I, I really put him on par in that respect with Sidney Crosby. Yeah. You know, like, um, same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Just a, a really level. And, and that goes a long way yeah. because you never get too full of yourself. You never get, take things for granted. You know, you continue, you know, I mean, Sidney Crosby, I remember in the 2017 Stanley cup final, it was an off day and Sidney Crosby's out there taking face offs. Yeah. It's all he's doing, taking face-offs. Yeah. And I can't I can't remember who it was. It was like their third or fourth line center. It was like he was like, Yeah, I don't really want to be here, but Sid's making me come because Benino I, was their third line center that I think, day. I think and I think it might have been him. And he's yeah. like, I don't really want to be here, but Sid says I have to come because <laughs> he's gotta have someone to take face-offs against. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And he's Be afraid best, of Malkin. Best player in the world. Yeah. <laughs> best player in the world. Yeah. On an on a, an optional Taking just going out there and taking faceoffs. That's yeah. what the great, great ones do. Yep. Yeah. And he and he's of the enormous number of markers that he has for greatness. Yeah, that's one of them. Absolutely. So uh, before I get out of here, before Ken and I get out of here, check out Ken's writing, KenCampbell.substack.com. You can check out uh, my Habs podcast if you're a Habs fan at Habsetition. And please subscribe and review. That keeps our numbers up and helps other people find this podcast and makes it easier for us to find other incredible guests like we just had. Ken, thanks so thanks so much for being around. Well, that's what I'm supposed to do. It's my podcast. <laughs> I don't really have a choice, do I? Well, yeah, it's your podcast. <laughs> yeah. I kind of have to show up. Yeah, I should thank you for being around. Thanks for thanks for doing all of the all like every bit of the legwork, including building this stuff and everything. I just show up and spew, go, you know, bull crap for <laughs> an hour and we're good to go. So, yeah. Thank you, Dylan. No, thank you. And, with that, and I'm pointing at Dylan because we are 
sufficiently. We're, we're quite uh, a ways distance. from each other. We're here. like ten feet apart, twelve feet apart. So. Yeah, we're quite a ways here. Anyways, yeah, let's let's yeah. If you like what you heard, let us know. If you don't like what you heard, let us know. You don't have to if you didn't if you didn't like it. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Those are those are the kinds of opinions. Uh, you know, you're you're welcome to keep to yourselves. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, we're we're a notoriously thin-skinned group here. We are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>